happy Friday, everybody. Welcome into Mining Stock Daily and our Friday morning in-depth interview. This is a long-form episode that we like to air every Friday morning to get you into the last trading day and into the weekend. Hope everybody had a wonderful week. It was really nice to be back into the Mining Stock Daily studios once more after a holiday hi hiatus. So hope everybody enjoyed all the content and interviews. Always feel free to reach out. Trevor at clearcreekdigital.com. Special thanks to our sponsors, Integra Resources, Western Copper and Gold, Corvus Gold, and Rio 2. We really appreciate your continued support of the podcast. We've been working with a number of different companies. Please go to miningstockdaily.com. Take a, take a look at the list of those companies and click on those links and maybe take a little peek at what those companies are working on. We've got two great segments for you. First, we're going to kick things off with Kai Hoffman delivering the Oren Inc. weekly update. And then we're going to turn around and I'm going to air my discussion with Peter Spina, uh, my first in-person interview I've had in I don't even know how long. Uh, Peter was back in Denver, so we were able to meet up over a beer at a brewery and doing a little bit of a social distance uh, type of discussion. Great conversation. Always a pleasure to see Peter in person. Rarely happens, so glad we can make it happen. All right, everybody, we're going to kick things off right now with Kai Hoffman. Have a wonderful weekend. Be well. Hello and welcome back, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy 2021. It can only get better, right? Well, let's start off with the Oranig Index for the new year. And these numbers are based on the week ending December 31st. And no big surprise, the numbers are really low. The Oranig Index score reached only a score of 30.9 points. Again, no big surprise as the number of financings decreased to 24. No broker financings were announced. No bought deal financings were announced. Total dollars decreased to $19 million. That's a 38-week low. Pretty irrelevant though, but the offer, uh, the average offer size decreased as well as we've seen quite a few smaller flow through financings being done at the end of the year, uh, just to top up the kitty there and make use of those flow through uh, opportunities. Uh, biggest financing opening was Blue Sky Uranium opening a $3.5 million offering, Star Diamond off opening a $3 million offering, Nexco Resources opening a $1.86 million resource. Uh, uh, offering and to Mexican Gold opening a $1.4 million financing. Uh, we've seen a lot of financing closings the last few days of the of 2020. Biggest one was Solaris Resources, $80.6 million on a best efforts basis. Well, Cisco Development closed a $40.3 million offering. McEwen Mining closed another financing, this time for $12.5 million. Uh, as I've, If I recall correctly, that's a flow-through financing. And to Maple Gold Mines closed a $10 million offering that was underwritten by BMO on a bot deal basis. We promise to be back more regularly in the new year. And uh, please make sure to follow us at Orin Inc. on Twitter and go to our website, oranink.com to sign up for our newsletter. Really appreciate it and uh, stay tuned for more updates. Everybody. Welcome into Mining Stock Daily. Uh, this is going to air Friday morning for our long-form in-depth interview, but uh, this is a unique conversation because I can't tell you the last time we've done this. 
an in-person interview, a fairly well socially distanced in-person interview with from Goldseek, Mr. Peter Spina. Peter, welcome back to Colorado. Hey, Trevor, it's great to be back, and it's great to see you in person. I know. <laughs> it's actually, it's like, it's, I'm so happy you can interview somebody in face-to-face. It feels so normal. <laughs> I don't know if, I don't know how to do this anymore. No. Out of practice. He used to be in front of a computer and Zooms. Yeah. Um, but so, let's give a little context to why we're here. You actually are from Colorado, originally. Born and raised in Southwest. But you've been in Prague for a while. We've been there for over five years. Uh, before that, I spent some time in Canada, so it's been several years since I've been uh, living here in Colorado. So yeah. it's quite the uh, experience to come back after such, uh, even the last few years since I've been here last, the, uh, the Denver Metro, the whole state is just booming. It's an absolute uh, boom time. Population growth, the city's expanding. Yeah. The market's extremely hot, the real estate market right now. I've never seen it as it is right now. The supply is virtually nothing. You can't find anything in the mountains. You can't find anything in the suburbs. The prices, people, there's a waiting list for new developments. Hundreds of people along for 10, 20 lots. It's, uh, it's I know. Well, when you, when you push a bunch of liquidity into the system and make money cheap, uh, it's got some place it needs to go, right? You know, 1% on a mortgage right now probably equates to 15, 20% on the price. So having these price, I don't know, the mortgage rates have dropped one, one and a half percent. And now people on cheap liquidity, you know, they're, yeah. there's no incentive to keep it in the banks. And, uh, you know, they, they people want, uh, I think this new situation has created, you know, this need to be in the suburbs more, want to be in larger spaces and not in these dead cities. And Denver has become quite the dead city driving through there. It's uh, it's kind of a reflection of two different worlds where you have yeah. a boom time for a lot of people. At the same time, a lot of people are suffering. And there's a lot of tents and people, homeless people, and uh, you know, two two different Americas almost. And it's kind of uh, I've I, I never seen Denver like I've seen it in the last few weeks. Yeah, I was telling you kind of off mic before, but a couple of weeks ago I drove through downtown on Colfax. And that was the first time in Lord knows how long. Uh, this year and i just was astounded again what you said how many transient people how many businesses were boarded up but even still open mm-hmm. you know it, it, it was just really fascinating like i think i uh maybe overestimated how bad things really yeah it, it, in the suburbs it feels totally different in, Absolutely. The, in the city yeah, like you said it's boarded up you see empty uh, commercial real estate uh, it's it's unusual in in, in this you know in a place like this which is uh, one of the best places to be in the United States right now. Economically, they were least impacted among the least impacted areas from COVID and all the benefits of, of, of people wanting to be in Colorado and moving over here. So it's even with, you know, I can't imagine different parts of the country. And I've heard from other friends out, you know, in California and near Napa Valley, you know, the places, these cities are also, it's a, it's a similar situation. So um, yeah. uh, it's, it, it, this is, it, you know, all relates to politics, economics, all these things are... Uh, uh, you know, with the elections right now, it's it's all being <laughs> shown up through the voters and all that as well. well it's, you know, we are actually for people who are wondering, we are actually recording this Wednesday afternoon of this week. So as we are speaking, there is a uh, I don't even know if you can call them protesters anymore, but a, a very large group of uh, angry people that have forced themselves into the United States Capitol. Uh, this is a day in history, quite frankly. Um, pretty fascinating times that you know obviously the washington dc has been home to many 
large protests and meaningful, important protests throughout our country's history, but uh, it's never gone this far. Yeah, you see these angry mobs forming and uh, both sides getting more extreme and, you know, wanting to fight each other and, and, and the division in, in the country. It's, it's, uh, it was kind of a little bit more shocking to see it this time coming back. Yeah, it's really unfortunate that you know, obviously there's a lot of frustration and pent-up anger from uh, elected officials in the government. So you'd like to see some of that, uh, all those questions and hard angles being pointed towards the Federal Reserve a little bit more. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. They get a free pass, and that's, you know, it's unfortunate because it's, you know, one side, um, you know, like even when AOC talks, there's certain points she brings up, and I can agree and understanding you know, why, why is she angry, but none of the, you know, whatever side, they don't go and... Try to understand where the problem is coming from. They still want the Federal Reserve to do certain things for them, and you know, still use it as a tool. But the the underlying issues are not really being addressed. So what's nothing's going to get fixed. Even with the Democrats in party, you know, in, in power now, it'll uh, it'll just continue going on and on. You know, nothing is fixing the underlying issues, which is creating division within the, within the country, economically, and uh, unfortunately. Um, I don't know, we're so far down the path now, it's not an easy fix, and no one wants to fix it. And no, no, anyone who wants to get into politics today is going to have to pander to the crowd. And, you know, the crowd, uh, they, they don't think very rationally right now, so I'm not really sure where this all ends up, but it just seems like we're just going through this vicious, vicious cycle of, you know, from the left to the right, and just more and more extreme. So I don't know, it's a reflection of economics, the politics, everything, the decisiveness in this country. And it's not good. It's not good for this country to try to fix the problems it already has. And it's, you know, bigger problems are being created. So, uh, you know, this uh, also translates into the value of the US dollar, and how this all comes to play as the global reserve currency, and then how, who's the next superpower, and, you know, how long will America remain the superpower? Do you do you believe in that great reset narrative? I, I believe that they're going to try to manage a reset because if they can't manage it, there's going to be a very angry crowd trying to manage it, which is not good for the people in power. And the people in power would rather try to appease the angry mob right now with these handouts and and different ways to. You know, just kind of keep them at bay, but it's. Uh, um, I think the Great Reset's going to come through a devaluation of the dollar and trying to devalue the debt, and uh, um, and they maybe try to reset in different ways. But uh, I, I think there is an agenda, and they're trying to manage a way to deal with this massive uh, problem that hasn't been addressed: the debt issues and the inequality issues. So. so- there was an article out from the Wall Street Journal this week, and really the headline was about you know the year of the ultimate stimulus, uh, 2021. Uh, you know you thought one trillion dollars of quantitative easing, for lack of a better term, but most appropriate is was big. I mean that's nothing kind of coming down the pipeline in the next year or two. Um, here's my question, Peter, and you know I think people like you and I are always focused on negative outcomes and protecting ourselves from negative outcomes of kind of reckless monetary uh, policies, which rightfully so. But what if it works? Well, it, it, it's good. It's going to work for a while. I think, I don't think it's going to crash the system yet. Yeah. It's uh, the U S uh, I think it's a process. I don't think it's, you know, they may try to devalue the dollar overnight like they did in the thirties. 
against gold. Um, right now, I think it's just an ongoing process of piling up the debt. You know, you see debt to GDP ratios in Japan of over 250, and it's still going. Um, the U.S. is getting up there towards 150, and they, they I think it was uh, Goldman Sachs uh, or someone from J.P. Morgan, one of their top analysts, said that there's a lot more rope for the U.S. to still hang itself with as terms as far as debt goes. So, you know, they can continue to monetize, and we're the world reserve currency, so we can continue to play this game. So, as far as adding, you know, more debt and more stimulus, yeah, I mean, some of it is going to help the economy out, but still overall the debt is growing and growing the only way they're really going to be able to devalue that is through deval you know getting uh, managing the the amount of debt is devaluing the dollar the only way they're going to pay it back is uh, through devaluation and uh that's their goal i think yeah. they're they're stating it we want you know evan said three percent yesterday inflation is fine well that'd be great because in 10 years you devalue the debt by almost a third so that's uh you know that's what they want they want to bring the inflation in slowly manage that devaluation but it might be a lot faster than that we've had multiple conversations about the inflation debate that's it seemed like it just came on real strong in the last three days yeah like, you know tony greer him and i chatted about earlier this week craig hemke uh, from tf metals report him and i got into it real deep on the podcast uh and, you know so let's open it up to you it, it almost seems like throughout the last half of 2020 we kept on having the debate well are we seeing deflation, stagflation, or inflation? And it almost seemed like, well, the last couple of days of December, we, we, we were hearing the dialogue go, well, this is the reflation trade. And then January 4th hits, first day of trading in 2021, and it's like, we have an inflation concern here. Price, price inflation is reflecting itself. The monetary inflation occurred. They, they created a vast amount of money. And uh, some of it's just been sitting around, but it's more and more gets pumped into the system. And then you see it being pumped into the markets and to the housing market and to the stock market. You know, money gets pulled out. You know, people use their houses as ATM machines. People are pulling money out of the stock market and spending. So, you know, it, it starts to push it to show itself in the system. And um, it's uh, at this point of the amount of money that they have created, when we start getting this economic recovery from COVID, from the most difficult aspects, you know, if we're going to get economic growth, that's going to pull in the, the demand will pull in the inflation more and more. Um, and the Fed already knows that. That's why they've already been positioning us to think about higher inflation rates and being okay with higher inflation rates without raising their, uh, th these near zero percent rates. So they, um, it's, it's, it's in the system. It's, it's, it's now starting to show itself up more and more. And I think that is the, the main, the main item. And, uh, with a weakening dollar too, that inflation shows up a lot faster. You know, we've been able to export our inflation through a strong dollar policy for the rest of the world to kind of eat up, but that's not the case right now. So, um, they want this, this is fine to a certain level, but you know, you got to manage it because if inflation really takes off on them, that, that whole, uh, debt bubble's going to get destroyed. We, you know, if rates were to go to three, four, five percent or plus, I mean, three percent rise in interest rates at thirty trillion dollars in debt. That's a trillion dollars, or three, yeah. three trillion, yeah. <laughs> three tr <laughs> percent. I'm sorry, one percent. <laughs> these are these are numbers that are impossible to manage. I mean, there's no way rates can go up and have uh, this. I mean, it's, it's it's almost thirty trillion. So in you know two, three, four yeah. years, we're going to be at thirty-five, forty trillion, fifty trillion. Just keeps going up and up. So, I don't know. I, if you can manage, you know, 30 trillion and have inflation, you know, not adding new debt, maybe in 10 years, okay, maybe it's the debt's not such an issue. But, 
it just doesn't it doesn't happen and, and at this point they're so um they're, they know that the economy there's a huge hole in the economy you know there's a lot of small businesses that are um going under they will be going under this year they had a lot of policies to delay that and there's a huge economic activity that's not taking place so the um you know they, they, they can't uh, they can't stop now with pushing money into the system they're going to continue to be aggressive and they've mentioned that they're not pulling back yet they're not raising rates they're going to keep doing this so the inflation uh, picture just is looking you know, it's, it's 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 looking kind of dangerous uh, for for those who are just going to hold money dollars in the bank and getting no no interest rate on it so yeah money money's just going to keep uh, bubbling around to the different uh, different assets uh, we've said it before on the show if you're just holding on to cash in the bank you're doing yourself a disservice yeah if the dollar continues to go down uh, you know i'm wondering just from you as a u.s citizen but also an observer living outside the u.s and just kind of watching what's happening do you see an opportunity you know given this kind of faux modern monetary theory that we have in practice right now um, one of the things that I haven't seen through the continued issuance of, of new dollars is the ability to resource that money and put, increase the productivity, the GDP yeah. in this country. I mean, is that, do you, obviously there's room to make that happen, but do you see the likelihood of it happening? Well, they said something that every three or four dollars created only one dollar in GDP growth results from it. So they're they're not getting you know they're they're creating all this money, but they're not getting the you know the return on it. Um, I mean, they, they they the system hasn't had the necessary corrections in the past. Recessions are healthy, natural economic uh, cycles that are necessary to make the system more efficient and get rid of excesses and all these things. And none of that's happened. Just you know, get things more and more imbalanced. So uh, you know, the, they they think it's it's like under the Soviet Union, the centrally planned economic system, where they thought, well, more money should go here, and you know, they spent a lot of money on defense and not enough money on other things and capital, and the you know, things were you know, falling apart because there was imbalances and they weren't managing their resources properly. And I think that's you know, we've gone so far down that path that um, the inefficiencies are quite high and and imbalances of capital you know there's so much money being thrown in into uh, real estate speculation into the markets what if that was going to other things they should be going to other things you know most of the S&P 500 co- uh, companies were buying back their stock the last 10 years they're not developing their businesses they don't see the opportunity so if they, you know you can't force them to to do that you can you, you can make certain policies like they're doing right now which is to force us to speculate more like because there's no reason to keep money in the bank you know and mm-hmm. in the past if you're old uh, you you saved up a lot of money you're being conservative and you lived off the interest old you know the retired people they can't live off that luxury anymore they're they're struggling they're they're losing in this all this so yeah there's uh it's it's the system um you know, when you manipulate like this and you put the race so low and you create this speculation mentality, it's just that the the whole economy just doesn't function properly and, and they think they can just fix it. How? I don't know, just keep pushing more money into it. It's I don't think that's, you know, it's, it's right. the government, what the, the Federal Reserve is saying is what needs to happen now is because businesses aren't spending and, and building and developing the government and the physical policies have to to make up for that so they're pushing hard for the government to spend on big projects and we'll see that now under the democrats uh they'll push certain you know 
things, climate change uh, growth uh, or policies. They'll put a lot of money into that. So that might actually benefit actually silver market with uh, the solar panels and other renewable energies. Well, I'm actually was kind of wondering if maybe silver's outperformance of gold over the last month or two was maybe a part of that clean tech infrastructure, more of the commodity side of that metal. Would you yeah. agree? Right, I think so. I think commodities, uh, the copper, uh, has been doing quite well, rebounding. It may be stalling a bit out here, but uh, that's uh, that's okay. Uh, reflecting. It, need, it, needs, it needs to slow down. <laughs> it does, and uh, the the commodities have been quite depressed. I mean, they're very uh, very cheap levels historically. So uh, there's a bullish case there, and uh, I think silver um, is acting expressing itself as a commodity recently like you're saying but also on the monetary sense of so both sides are being expressed and you see that through um, the investment demand side and silver has outpaced the industrial demand side and it's it, it, it's a very small market you know several hundred million ounces a year at uh, $20-$30 at several billion dollars you know more kind of a market it's nothing it's you know you get a couple billion dollars in interest and investment demand and that that can really squeeze the market for supply so if industrial demand is going to remain strong and if, and, and I think invest uh, if in, in investment demand is anywhere near where it is right now and you know it holds that level or if it goes up I mean the price will just get to a big uh, it'll get squeezed out at some point and you see that in other markets with like palladium when when you get a very low level of inventory uh, then you get strong demand come in and it just becomes an auction and people are just gonna bid up their price very quickly aggressively uh, another theme that we have talked about all week is um, this mention of the commodity super cycle. Uh, we've seen a couple of big, big banks actually write research reports on um, their outlook for commodities. I mean, not just the metals, but also agriculture and, and other things traded on the market. But, uh, you know, I think people like you and I, we have been looking for this commodities <laughs> super cycle for some time. Yeah. Uh, but from the sense that you're getting now in the first couple of days of 2021, or do we have the foundation to make it happen? It's going to get going, but not as aggressively as, as some, I think, people would like it to. You know, with industrial demand, um, it's going it, to, it depends, you know, how, how this uh, these different bubbles get handled. These, uh, if, if the stock market were to crash or whatever, it kind of triggers a financial crisis. It's going to really impact it. But uh, we're seeing, you know, economic growth is going to start returning more this year, and, and that puts more pressure on the commodities. Uh, but it's also being bid up uh, because of the inflation. You know, the costs are, going to, are starting to rise, and uh, with all this money floating around, it's going to show itself up in, in the commodity prices. Uh, it's It's been depressed. I, I, I wouldn't, you know, I have commodities within the portfolio that I'm invested in, and I have, you know, a little exposure to uranium, some to copper and so on. But... In the end, I think there's still going to be some issues with economic growth in the near next, later this year, next year. Uh, we'll see how you know the stimulus works out, but it could wear off and more of the economic impact shows up. So maybe the growth rate's not really going to be all that impressive, and it's going to take a few more years before we get back to 2019 GDP levels. So if that's the case, uh, they may get you know run up a bit, up a bit, and then just kind of stall out. Um, so for me, the monetary metal side is more interesting if we have uh, more of an issue with inflation and monetary integrity questions and the battle for the U.S. dollar supremacy um, and, and a lack of trust in the U.S. dollar. 
and the lack of alternatives to the U.S. dollar, you know, puts gold and silver in a very good position. And and uh, commodities, you know, people will flood into commodities as well as an inflation hedge. Um, they're very cheap, so they are attractive. But I think the monetary metals, especially with silver, because you get to play both sides of that. And we're seeing that right now come into play. All right, well, let's talk. Uh, let's talk about gold. If we're going to talk about monetary metals, uh, gold this week was kind of uh, buy the rumor, sell the news type of stuff. We saw a big jump on Monday, more than fifty bucks on uh, on on February gold. Uh, and then the election, the the Georgia election happened on Tuesday, and it's obvious that the Democrats are going to sweep the Senate. Uh, I was wrong in my perception i probably should have known but i thought if the democrats were going to sweep that gold would continue to move higher boy i was dead wrong so buy the rumor sell the news that's what happened i mean but it is it, it's kind of a kind of a faux break the faux breakout yeah buy the democrats sell the vote outcome i don't the uh, i i believe the same thing i think they're uh, they will be more bullish for gold uh there will be more spending and uh They'll have more control over that. There'll be less of a battle with now that they're in full control for the next couple of years. Um, I think it, it was by the by the you know by the new sell. And it's, this pullback is an opportunity. I think any pullbacks now under 2,000 are are buying opportunities, especially in the mining stocks. So um, we're seeing strengthening in the mining companies. They didn't, they sold off and kind of came back, and we're seeing accumulation starting again. I think the the indication is we're with the next month or two to three away from a big breakout in the gold prices to new highs. Um, we'll see uh, some pressure, maybe like we saw today with uh, the 10-year Treasury bond above a percent, a little bit of a dollar bounce. But uh, gold is, uh, it, it continues to attract investment. You have the Asian markets coming back online. Uh, you know, demand from those centers are, are going to continue to help, um, you know, impact the price. So I, th- I think the Western investor, they're going to start, you know, bidding up the gold price as it hits key technical levels. We saw $1,900 fall and they jumped in as expected. And then we break 2000 and the record high is it, then they all start rushing back in and we leap to the next level very quickly. So we're working through that process. We had a huge run last year. So going from uh, 1400s all the way up to over 2000, um, this has been a good, healthy consolidation in some ways for the market to kind of catch up to these new higher prices. Um, you know, like Indian buyers, they don't like to chase a price higher. They always wait for pullbacks. And uh, But they were chasing it. They were buying it higher. They, they yeah. Like November, they were buying it They higher. came back in and, and uh, you know, it's if it comes back down from, you know, it, it can, they don't want to buy it at 1700 on the way to 2000. Or they don't want to be at 18, 1900 when it goes over 2000, but it comes back to 1900. It looks like a deal all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, it's the psychology of it, but um, they were very absent, especially during the COVID crisis, China and in these areas. So uh, if uh, they're, they look to be doing a lot better than we are in China, it seems like COVID just kind of disappeared in some yeah. ways. Um, they're they're going to come back into the market in India and all that, and the Western buyer will uh, just uh, add to the uh, low inventories of, of, of physical gold out there. How do you really differentiate or teach people to differentiate the difference between the spot market and the paper market? Because I mean, there was a time, you know, where the, the price of gold on both were going down, down, and down, but countries like India were just hoarding as much of it as you, they could get. Yeah. Which was, I don't know, maybe that was what was propping it up from falling even further. 
Well, you get to, you get different markets, and when you're not able to arbitrage easily because, uh, like right now, South Africa being shut down, they don't even have cargo flights going out with their exports of platinum and palladium, and it's impacting the market. Um, and that was the case uh, we saw in March, April, May, uh, where there was a huge physical demand hitting coming out of the West, and people, uh, buyers were coming into the COMEX and asking for delivery, which which is very unusual because the futures market in the U.S. is usually just a paper game. It's a paper casino. It's just, uh, uh, it's not a real physical market. And when it does become a physical market, then watch out. That's when the price really overtakes the kind of the games that are being played by the banks and, and traders and so on. And uh, that that is, I think it's uh, it's still there and it's going to grow again in the in, in the coming future. And you know, we're if India um, continues to be strong in China, I just I I think uh, the Western investor, as I mean, we have eighteen and a half trillion dollars now in negative yielding uh, debt out there, and that's nominal, not the real one. And then you know the the case for gold is just very strong right now with inflation picking up and these factors. So the demand demand from the West is I think one of the key price drivers, and it uh, it doesn't look like it's fading anywhere near term. Is the gold market losing favor due to Bitcoin, or did gold just have its move much earlier than Bitcoin did? I think it's peeling some money off of the Wall Street guys. You know, you have Barry Silbert out there who's very uh, aggressive and trying to sell the marketing that uh, the future of gold is Bitcoin. You know, trying to replace gold, which isn't the case at all. Um, it's peeled some money off, and it was a lot more of an issue for the silver side years ago. A lot of silver investors went into Bitcoin that I know. Because it's more um, of a speculation. It's a speculation. And I, 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 I understand Bitcoin plays a role as an alternative potential currency and, and its function as a, a decentralized system, which is uh, um, appealing and, you know, comp- compete with payment networks. But uh, it, it really isn't functioning efficiently at the moment. And it's not really uh, being used as a currency, so I, I don't find the price very appealing. I find it more speculative in nature at these levels. And I think it represents the price right now, um, uh, just the general liquidity in the system, the bubble nature of everything, that people are willing to take huge risks trying to make you know more money. And that shows itself in Tesla and in the NASDAQ and other, other, other hot markets. You know, people um, are very... Uh, they were very quick after the spring sell-off in the markets. To they, they just forgot that there isn't that downside in things. And uh, when there is another round of liquidity, you know, I, I think Bitcoin um, will suffer a lot more. And uh, it's, it's, it's at these levels. I don't see the, I don't see the reason to, to be taking on much risk unless you just want to, you know, if you're going to buy that, you're, you're speculating at this point, and you got to be careful. And uh, it, it, it isn't. Uh, it isn't as safe as gold, and it's uh, it's a very risky game at this point. It, it almost seems, from my observation, that the argument for gold is the exact same argument for Bitcoin. Yeah. At the heart of it, it's just a different medium, right? It's it's a it, it's it. I guess you can both say they're hard assets for what, with a grain of salt, but um, the reason to own them is the exact same. But they also have their own risks, right? Like I think of, you know, physical gold. If you're a diehard gold bug, you want to have your gold on you, 
readily available. Like you don't want to pay somebody insurance and vault fees and all that, you know, to each their own. But at the same time, Bitcoin, you're dependent on electricity and connectivity. Yeah. And the miners to function properly in, in, in this network and that technology isn't going to continue to advance in something more advanced than Bitcoin. You know, it, people are like, uh, they were making fun of Peter Schiff that, well, he didn't know in 1970 that the internet was going to come around and that Bitcoin would exist. Well, I say the same thing to them. What's going to be in 10, 20, 30 years? Right. You don't think there's going to be other more advanced systems and other ways of networking and more creativity. But I mean, uh, on a fundamental basis, I am pro Bitcoin on the idea that the market has been a monopoly of central banks have had a monopoly over money there's been no competition allowed um, and they've done a horrible job of making the national fiat currencies uh, i call them currencies it's not money you know that's they, they continue to value not function properly that way so bitcoin you know is 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 a free market innovation which emerges as payment oper- you know network with uh, the idea that it's a currency it's 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 interesting i i i spent over a year just using bitcoin almost on a day-to-day basis when i was in prague when i first got there because the community um, was looking for solutions uh to uh fix the system you know just not just complain about it but since the last few years when i got out of bitcoin i just my my questioning was where is it going is it really turning into a currency at these ten, twenty thousand dollars of Bitcoin, you know, does it really justify what is the value, you know, and and I recognize it's a twenty one million it's like a the ultimate stock where there's only gonna be twenty, twenty one million shares outstanding and everyone in the world can buy it and it's just uh uh, when it goes up, no one wants to sell it. It's a very brand, high brand loyalty kind of thing, and it's 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 really the ultimate bubble in many ways, right. I think. Um, and if it's not going to turn into a currency, then what is it? And they're trying to make it, you know, like gold. So then the idea is, well, you just got to hold on to it, and or because everyone else will believe in it, that it'll continue to um, hold value. But uh, I, I I don't really uh, subscribe to that. I think gold has proven itself over many thousands of years. It doesn't. You know, it's not relying on technology um, in the way that if technology changes, Bitcoin could could go away. You know, and, and it's right. going to get challenged heavily now with digital central bank well, these that, currencies. And, and that's a follow-up to my next question. I mean, uh, I think one of the bigger stories that I know I'm following is the digital currency out of China. Uh, they are going. They are really working to get that thing kind of mainstreamed here and into use. I think the U.S. has realized that they're probably three years too late in, in getting this done, so they're going to be expediting something along the same lines as a, a digital dollar, if you will. Yeah. Um, but in many ways, I, I will. I, you have to give the cryptos credit to providing something that the market wants, and the governments realize that. Oh shit. Yeah. We got to get on the bandwagon. Right, and and the way the governments will work and the central banking monopoly works is that they don't like competition, so they're gonna do everything to make it difficult. They'll tax it, they'll regulate it, and they'll make it just like gold. I mean, we really can't use it as money. It, there's a capital gains tax on it if the value goes up or down versus the dollar, which is ridiculous. Um, a different discussion. But cryptos have have satisfied this market need. They've kept ahead of government and innovation. But the governments will now try to replicate it and force us to use it. You know, they'll probably hand out stimulus checks in the future using your digital wallet and force you, like in China, right. that that was we're going to give random people I don't know thousand dollars or two hundred dollars worth of yuan, but you have to go spend it 
and use it. So they're trying to get people used to it. And crypto has already set the path that kind of paved the way for the younger generations. They're much more comfortable with it already. Um, now the central banks are going to try to force us to use it. And, and in the case of the dollar, they may be behind. Uh, but once they catch up, um, I, I, I'm thinking in certain uh, maybe competitive ways, if you're in some country like in Africa, where they have some very unstable system and, and currency, well, you want to use a dollar, and all of a sudden now you have an able, uh, very easy way to use a digital wallet with dollars in it. Where, you know, which one are you going to choose out there? Um, and you know, you go to certain parts of the world where you use a dollar, but this may actually help the dollar be used more widely. But the same thing will be said maybe with the euro and the yuan right. and so on. But I think what? the dollar may actually benefit from digital currencies at first. So here's something that uh, the idea was popped into my head, and then I was. I kept on spinning more and more of it, and it's along the lines of this digital currency uh, and how the market and demand will force governments to adapt. So there, if you, uh, Zuckerberg and Musk, for as much you know passive judgment as I typically give them week to week, you talk about Elon Musk, SpaceX, and perhaps putting broad satellite-based broadband internet connectivity throughout the entire world. And then you have Zuckerberg, who probably has the most dominant network of individuals in the entire world. If you're launching a digital currency, you don't, if you have those two people, you don't, you don't need a government. No. But will the governments let them operate? Well, and I think uh, that's where Libra that's, failed. Libra I think failed, I think right. I think Zuckerberg realized that you know this is way too difficult. <laughs> well, he's fighting a whole whole monopoly of power that that. But you will, wonder. But you uh, wonder uh, if, if kind of the crackdown on the tech stocks, which I think is beneficial, big picture wise, it been big beneficial for the consumer uh, and the individual. But you know, you wonder if maybe that's part of that crackdown. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's too much of a threat, and it is. I mean, they, uh, they do have that ability to create a, a very powerful uh, unit of currency that's outside of the reach of national governments and the central banking right. system. So that's, that's a big problem, and I don't, it's, it's going to be a battle. And, uh, if, and it's, it's going to get accelerated now with this own monetary crisis that you know, it, 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 it may start in other currencies. We're seeing it, you know, in, in Venezuela and uh, Iran and uh, Turkey. You know, they're having some big issues there. Yeah. Um, but it, when it hits the global reserve currency, boy, there's going to be a scramble, a power vacuum, and they'll try to replace it with something else. But uh, it's, it, it is going to be an interesting, I think uh, it's happening. It's, we'll see more of it as we go through the year. next two, three years. It's, uh, it's going to be all about digital currencies. It's, it's, it's time. It's going to hit. And because of Bitcoin and crypto are getting so popular and becoming more of a threat very quickly, you know, it motivates them. Yeah. To, you know, uh, we got to talk about some mining stocks before we wrap sure. this up. Uh, <laughs> it's really good to see you. Likewise. <laughs> and have an actual in-person <laughs> conversation on this show. Uh, but... I got our, our mutual friend Chris Marcus poised this question to me on, on his show earlier this week. And I actually had a hard time answering it because I wanted to say yes because I'm bullish on mining stocks, but I also want to be conservative and not throw you know grandeur out there. Right? Um, with all the moves we saw in junior miners in 2020, do you still have opportunities for 10-bagger potential? Yes. 
but more selectively. That's kind of what I said too. But if silver does break 50 and it goes to 100, anything with silver in its name is going to go through the roof still because there's very few um, sele- you know, yeah. companies out there and there's gonna be, that could really turn itself into a bubble. But it, it is... Um, it's, it, the easy gains have been made in a lot of the, the companies. They were just left for dead and defiance. Silver for pennies and almost a dollar a share. Um, Arcana, Abra Plata. So um, it's not going to be as easy. The ones that do get discoveries, and the, this is the kind of the exciting part of exploration, is now the cash has finally come back in after all these years, and we can now see aggressive exploration. It has started in a lot of projects. So there's a lot of targets getting hit and uh, dis- uh, tested, and uh, hopefully we get some really good hits off that because a, a good you know couple or one big discovery or whatever in a region it can blow things up and and yeah. get get the excitement into the stocks. But uh, you got to be more selective. The miners are way more interesting. You're having record cash flow for gold stocks. Uh, the miners are doing $900 plus an ounce or so on margins right now. So at these well, that's prices, me- that's mediocre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wow. mean, you look at something like I keep on. I've said it multiple times. Look at B two gold. Yeah, they're all ins like seven fifty. It's it, it's hard to choose which one to buy right now. Um, I was very heavy on Fortuna. Um, they are in Argentina, the Landero mine, and it's a beautiful mine. And now at ten dollars or so, it's starting to get a little more pricey. Where I look at like Equinox, uh, two point five billion dollars, going to be over a million ounce producer. Um, uh, that that looks cheap, even with some other, you know, considering some other risks. But the uh, the coming, co- I, I think the juniors have opportunities, but it's, it's easier right now to be in the minors in, in a lot of these cases. Um, I'm probably a little over 50-50 in the equity side in minors right now. Yeah. But I do have a lot of exploration stocks, and I've had a lot of them for five or ten years as well. But I am, I have, I have been buying up some other ones on this pullback because you did see. Um, the peak from you know uh, August or into September, 40, 30, 40, 50 percent pullbacks in some of these stocks. Well, there's so, a lot of cheap paper that came off too. Exactly. So you 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 kind of time it with the four month hold periods and and the, the, those games, and you can kind of trade that as well. But uh, I yeah, I think you're right. The ten baggers, it's uh, you're gonna need a lot higher metal prices in a hotter market, and and some or just some really quality. Uh, discoveries to drive those valuations higher i'm just wondering if there is an overall general consensus in the market itself that goes from these high-flying performance stocks we saw last year into more value-based less risk if that's when most of these well-managed miners really get that uplift yeah and it'll be it'll be a soft but it'll be a quiet but very big move it is it's, it is a stealth move. Uh, last weeks in the silver stocks, it started happening, and, and some of the gold stocks, it's uh, it, it just kind of creeps on you, and the next thing you know, um, it, it just kind of runs away from you, and uh, that's kind of the hard part. Uh, a lot of times, these moves happen very slowly, and then quickly, and you are either in it or you're just watching it take yeah. off. So you have to kind of you know it's hard to buy when when it's going down but you got to kind of play that investor psychology game and look for value and and look at the fundamentals because if there is another market pullback the fundamentals are really going to matter again um and the miners have overall very good fundamentals and some are a lot cheaper than others and i i think i said that yesterday that equinox is going to be a pretty boring double or triple but 
um, when it trends and constantly it's producing better results and cash flow reducing debt, it's going to get better market valuations and get revalued in the market, but it might not be as exciting as uh, some of these silver stocks and gold stocks, junior stocks that double or triple very quickly, but they also can fall 50% very quickly. So you yeah, got to know, you know your I, risks. I actually bought, I bought some calls on Equinox this week. Nice. And even today, record again, recording Wednesday, with I, I believe Equinox last I saw was down a little bit. The, the valuation on those calls that I bought hadn't moved. Yeah, it's the, the volatility premium is a bit higher on those, um, but they should sustain. Uh, yeah, it's it, it has a good support base here. Their uh, mine in Mexico, the issue with the stoppage is uh, getting resolved. Um, so it it looks like a pretty good year. They, the merger might uh, might be a bit of an overhang for next few months. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's it's going to do its thing. I'm not worried. That's a stock I can sleep. You know, I can go to sleep at night, not worried about. Uh, but it's, you know, I think you structure a portfolio where you have um, some speculative capital going to high risk plays so you can get some big wins. And if you can spread it out, say, five, ten companies and you get two, three really big wins, yeah. one or two OK ones. And a few, you know, you get some losers in there that overall should do quite well. But the miners have a lot less risk right now, a lot easier to, to own. Uh, last question. What is a important lesson you learned in this sector in 2020? I think that the markets are very dysfunctional. You know, at times we saw in March, you know, this huge swing in, in, in the mining stocks, the GDXJ um, and GDX, there was a huge failure in those ETFs. And uh, it's, a, it's a, you know, the whole system, um, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of risks in it. So you want to manage your risk as much as possible. And, and just, as I mentioned, fundamentals are always key. So. Um, Make sure that you understand your risk. You know, you you, you do always have some cash um, reserves. Um, I I don't hold a huge amount of cash. I hold it in precious metals now, and, and uh, I don't trust you know, check crown or the euro or the dollar to do very well in the coming years with all the debt issues. But I think it's very important to have you know your own reserves and cash and and focus on building that up, especially in a bull market, because when times do get tough, they can happen very quickly. And you got to be prepared for that. So um, make sure you have adequate savings. And also for the market, the there, there's quick opportunities uh, that can come around. Um, and uh, there might not be as large of a pullback as we saw in 2020 in the general markets, but maybe not in the next months or a couple quarters, but there could be another large uh, pullback, uh, 10 percent plus in the general equities. And if it happens quickly, it'll, it'll hit our sector as well temporarily. Uh, Peter? It's great to have you back in Colorado. Glad we could make this happen. Yeah. Thank you, Trevor. It's great and, to see uh, you in person. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's good to see anybody anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That isn't your family. You know? <laughs> it, it's unusual to be at a restaurant, be outside, and uh, just we're, uh, we're talk. For, we're, we're fortunate. You know, I've got to say, uh, I give, uh, you know, there's been a lot of failures and a lot of hypocrisies throughout the last 10 months. Uh, you know, I, I believe... Governor Polis of Colorado has done the best he is could possibly do. Yeah. Well, it's, it seems like Colorado has a situation under a lot better control, and it's uh, it's good to see that there's some level of normalcy able to happen here. And it's uh, it's been a long year, and, and it's uh, I know there's a lot of people struggling out there during the winter months, being stuck at home, and and hopefully you know the, I think the one thing is important is when you can get outside, just get 
get out there and (laughs) connect with nature if you can when you can and uh, hopefully this the worst of it will be over as we get into the spring and summer periods and uh we'll uh we'll hopefully have conferences again in person as well and uh and hopefully i'll be back here later in the year it's going to be the biggest hug fest we've ever attended (laughs) all right thanks peter appreciate your time likewise the information presented should not be considered investment advice Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decision.